The economy just got re-stimulated, but Republicans are more interested in culture wars. Hey, girls and guys, I'm Brandy with an eye, and this is Did You Hear the News? Demi, is that you, player? Coming across the Himalayas. That's right. That's right. The American Rescue Plan is live. After hours of long, drawn-out voteramas and probably a lot of dirty looks, the Senate passed the bill last week on early Saturday and then sent it over to the House so that they could do what they had to do, look over the bill again with the new changes, and then do a vote. So at first we thought that maybe they would vote on it on Monday. Turns out they were like, no, it's pretty big and we need to look over all the changes. So that was pushed to Tuesday. And then for some reason, it still ended up being pushed to Wednesday. So finally on Wednesday, they passed this bill in the House. Of course, they had a little press conference at the end. Nancy was giving a lot of shoulder shimmies. I thought it was really cute. She, her and Chuck were just very excited. Um, and then they said, oh, well, President Biden's going to sign it into law on Friday. And everybody was like, well, why? We got to wait so long. But apparently they thought that it would take like a little longer to get the paper over to him from the House. Turns out the joke was on us because they got it done quicker than they thought. Send it to President Biden on Thursday and boom, he signed it into law. Friday, they had a little uh, Rose Garden event where he made some remarks. Vice President, of course, uh, Nancy Pelosi, House Speaker and Chuck Schumer, the uh, majority leader in the Senate. So Yay, what a blessing. People should be getting their stimmies sometime this week. I saw people saying that they were getting their stimulus checks already on Friday. Uh, right now, as I record, it's Saturday. So some people probably are already getting those or will have them by the end of the weekend, depending on how they had their direct deposit set up. President Biden also gave a primetime address on Thursday night after he signed the bill into law. And it was expected that he was going to tout the bill quite a bit, but he actually didn't do that. He mentioned it, of course, in the speech and how he was excited about it and what, you know, he hopes it's going to do for the American people. But for the most part, it was about COVID. And at this point, it's been like a year since this was basically deemed a pandemic and we're doing a lot of reflection. So it was basically a reflection speech, but also a let's look forward to the future. Like we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Let's just try to do better for everyone. Uh, get your vaccines. Everyone who wants a vaccine should be eligible to get one by May 1st. And then maybe you can get together and have your little 4th of July gatherings. I just want to be, I just want to be at somebody's cookout. I'm telling y'all like, I just want to be in the number. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. So that was really exciting. I was very excited about that. Very excited that the bill finally passed. It's sweeping legislation. It's a very big deal for progressives. Uh, in the House and the Senate. So it was a very progressive bill, even though some things came out of it, like the $15 minimum wage, unfortunately. Uh, the higher 
unemployment benefits and things like that. But it's it's a very generous and progressive bill. So it was just a very exciting occasion to have that actually go out. But you know who was sitting on the sideline with a stank face? Republicans. That's right. Because zero Republicans in the House or the Senate voted for this wildly popular bill. Zero. Zero. Nada. Zip zilch. Voted for this bill. And they really didn't have any good reasons not to have voted for the bill. So they just came up with some ridiculous ones like, oh, it's full of liberal pet projects and it's only going to the liberals. And once again, doesn't make any sense because every state, all 50 of them, will be getting some form of state and local money in this bill. Red states, blue states, red fish, blue fish, one fish, two fish. Everybody's going to get some of the money, no matter who you voted for or how you voted. So everybody's going to get money. So I, it didn't make sense to me. And then they said it was full of liberal pet projects. And I'm like, the bulk of the money is basically going to other people. You have the $1,400 stimulus checks that make up $424 billion of the bill, state and local aid to prevent layoffs and service cuts for $350 billion, unemployment insurance for $246. Then you get to the tax credit and aid for child care and families, reopening schools and higher education, vaccines, farmers and small businesses. Like all of that is to help people. FEMA disaster relief. Renter and homeowners, restaurant and bars, veterans, and then you have forty-five billion for others. Okay, do I know what exactly all of that forty-five billion for other things goes to? I don't know, but that's a drop. That's a drop in the total of everything else that actually goes towards helping people. It's actually the complete opposite of the two thousand seventeen tax credit bill that mostly benefited the rich and totally left those who were working class and poor at a disadvantage. Whereas this bill does the complete opposite. It's the complete inverse. Like if you look at a bar chart and I've seen millions of them going around, you can see the difference in how this bill is actually directed to the people for the relief of COVID because the last administration let it go unchecked and now we actually have to have a rescue plan. Which brings me to Republicans saying during Biden's speech, he did not give Trump credit for the vaccine. Here's the thing. Sure, sure, I'll buy. Let's give President Trump credit, former President Trump credit for the vaccines, right? Let's give him credit, but let's also give him credit for the fact that he knew how serious this was in February of last year before we actually had to shut down and call this a pandemic. He knew how serious it was. So let's give him credit for knowing how serious it was, coming out and pretending it wasn't that serious, saying that it was only a hoax to get him out of office 
cooked up by the Democrats. Let's give him credit for that. Let's also give him credit for downplaying masks, downplaying the virus, doing the absolute least to get this virus under control. If we're going to give him credit for totally ignoring this virus and just throwing money at vaccine creation, let's, yeah, sure, sure, let's do that. I can give him all the credit for that. But nobody wants to talk about him. Like, to be quite honest, President Biden is much better than me because if it were me, I wouldn't have even been like, oh, well, you know, when we started, there was, you know, just some misinformation and there wasn't any truth. I'd have been like, that mother effer lied. He came out. He knew what it was. He told y'all that it wasn't. And I came up in here and I had to do what I had to do because it was a hot mess. Once again, he's he's more um, humble than I would have been. But it's like the fact that he actually didn't really go low and throw tomatoes from his chariot like mariah hook would say from uh, mary medicine the fact that he didn't go low as low as he could have you need to be thankful for that because he could have said a lot of things that would have been not nice but he kept it real mute and cute so kudos to joe for that i let him have it because it probably wouldn't have been me but the point is we are at a point in which the new administration knew We were in a jam. It was a hot mess going on. And they came in and they under-promised so that they could over-deliver. And that's what they've been doing. And at this point, it's kind of like Jen Psaki says, nobody should get credit. Over 500,000 people are dead. And probably about over 400,000 of those people did not have to be. But that's where we are. That's the reality. And nobody should really be getting credit right now. I think it's kind of insane to keep saying, well, President Trump deserves credit. Like, people are still dying. We're still in a pandemic a year later. Meanwhile, New Zealand is just living the MF in life. And here we are fighting over $1,400 stimulus checks and giving money to schools so that they can reopen safely and giving state and local aid to people who have been late. Like we're fighting over that. Like we have a whole side of our government who could not even agree to that. So what are, what are we even trying to give the former president credit for? Besides making this a mess to begin with so that the president has to actually come in and create a American rescue plan. Oh, but it's not for COVID. What do you think the people are struggling for? It's not just because. It's because the former administration allowed this virus to just run through unchecked. They totally, completely dropped the ball. And now another administration has had to pick it up. And it's going to take money, unfortunately. And it just is what it is. I just think it's just... These are bad faith arguments. They're not genuine. They're not really, really any good, you know, arguments against it. Now, some people do say, oh, it's too expensive. We're going to have to pay for it later. But once again, $1.9 trillion tax cuts in 2017 and not a one time did Republicans say, hey, you know, this is going to cost a lot. Not, not then. And then you have Tom Cotton who's going, well, your money's, this money's going to go to inmates in prison. 
It did in the last two bills. Nobody was hollering about it then. Nobody was saying, I'm not going to vote against it then. My understanding is it was brought up at the time. And actually, the inmates kind of like filed a suit. And the judge said, no, like, they should get their money. That's my understanding of how it went. So it was brought up. And then apparently, the Republicans tried to get an amendment so that they would not get money this time. But here's, here's what I'm saying. You still voted for the last two bills with the same language in it. So why suddenly is that the reason that you're voting against this bill? It's the one reason that you can't support all of the other good things in this bill. It's not it, It's not a good faith argument. None of them are. Just like Dr. Seuss and Mr. Potato, they're not good faith arguments. So whatever. And then on top of that... <laughs> On top of that, another criticism of the primetime address was that it was too prepared. Yes, yes. Y'all's girl, Kaylee McEnany, who is, you know, now Fox contributor because they were probably the only place that would have her after the years of lying or maybe like a year and whatever changed. It felt like forever that she was on that administration in that role lying. No one else would really touch her. But, you know, Fox News will give you a platform. If you are the craziest of kooks. And she and another guy were up there saying, well, you know, the former president, he just, he didn't have these super prepared speeches. You know, we would chat, we just kind of go back and forth and we'd show him something and he'd write his notes and then we go back and forth up until the minute that he went out. And I was like, I don't think that that's the burn that you think it is, Kaylee. That's probably part of the reason why y'all were scrambling every time he spoke is because he got up there and said some foolishness and then you'd have to come back and say no that's not that's not exactly what he meant he didn't mean it like that and then he'd come back and be like yeah that's exactly what I meant I don't why are we confused that's I say what I said so I'm like these arguments are just ridiculous at this point like You're not talking about what's in the bill that's actually going to help people. You're just harping on ridiculous stuff like the fact that he hasn't given a press conference with the news in 50 days. It's like maybe because this man is really has work to do because he inherited a dumpster fire. Like, why do you need to ask him questions? Why do you need to send Doug Ducey to ask him ridiculous questions? He does that with Jen Psaki every day. And it, I think Jen Psaki has a handle on what the president wants to say. Like, I, just ridiculous. Just not even issues that really should even be discussed. It's just disgusting. But it's okay. Because one way or another, Republicans are going to show you what's really important to them. While Queen Elizabeth Warren has been working to reintroduce her 2% wealth tax on millionaires and billionaires the republican party is actually trying to eliminate the wealth estate tax so let me back it up a little bit in elizabeth warren's plan millionaires and billionaires would be taxed two cent two cents on their first one dollar after their 50th million dollar so If you're worth $50 million, don't worry about it. You're straight. But if you make any dollar 
after that 50 million, it's going to be taxed two cent per dollar. And if you are a billionaire, you're going to be taxed a few more cents once you get to billions of dollars. Because of course, why not? It would be very helpful for society, you know, because, you know, y'all said trickle down economics and we see that that's not working. And I would really just love to have a conversation about who was in the room and was like, yeah, yeah, that's, that sounds right. We'll give the corporations a tax cut. And then somehow the people at the very bottom will get even wealthier. That don't even make sense. Who was there? Who was there? Anyways, so Elizabeth and, of course, other progressive senators and members of the House want to tax the rich people because they need to get taxed. I don't understand why we are paying more taxes than uh, Amazon. But anyways, that's the wealth tax that Elizabeth Warren is proposing. The estate wealth tax is when if you have an estate and you pass away and you have set it so that someone in your family or anybody is going to inherit it, if it is over $11,700,000, so that's $11.7 million, if it's over that, then you're going to be taxed on it. It's going to be taxed when it moves from person to person. And the Republicans are like, no, what? Why would you do that? But these are the same people talk about the deficit. Make it make sense. Make it make sense. You can't because it doesn't make any. However, one thing that Republicans and Democrats were able to agree upon this week is expansion of background checks for buying guns, which is awesome thing in the house this week two bills were passed for gun laws to make it a little bit harder to buy guns because it should be should be harder to buy a gun than it is to vote okay so basically the first bill was to you know expand criminal background checks when a person is attempting to buy a gun and then also to transfer a gun to another person's ownership But there also was a bill written by a whip Jim Clyburn of South Carolina that would basically tackle the quote unquote Charleston loophole that says that the background check has to be complete before basically you can buy the gun. I think the issue is that apparently uh, after three days, even if the background check hadn't come back you could still purchase the gun and that is what allowed dylan roof to purchase the firearms that he used to go and massacre the members of the church in south carolina so that that's a big deal like those are big deals and they were they got bipartisan support there were like a couple of democrats who didn't vote for it and then there were like a few republicans who did but all in all let's take that little win for this week because those are big deals we all know we need gun reform in this country now once it gets to the senate i'm sure it's going to be spun in some kind of way that says look at this they want to take your guns they don't want you to have your second amendment freedom it's going to be spun some kind of way but hopefully they will be able to agree on something because i think we all know that like it should be harder to buy a gun than it is to vote like 
the Republicans are focused on the wrong thing. No, you can't vote easily, but sure, go buy, you know, a semi-automatic firearm. Who cares? Like, our priorities are ridiculously out of whack. Someone else's whose priorities could probably take a shift would be Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York. Oh, my goodness. Every week with him, every week with him, it's just a winding road. So at this point now, there are, if I'm not mistaken, six accusers who have said that he's either touched them inappropriately or spoken to them inappropriately who say that he made the work environment uncomfortable and just a terrible place to be all of those things on top of the ongoing investigation into his reporting on nursing home deaths in New York which should really be the focus right like that should be the big deal but Of course, more women keep coming forward with their stories about Andrew Cuomo and it's just not looking good for him. And at this point, you have members of Congress, Democratic members of Congress in New York calling for his resignation. You had Kirsten Gillibrand and Chuck Schumer, who are senators. You had AOC and and other New York Um, house members who are saying like sir listen you should just step away you should step away it's been 10 years you made it this far maybe someone else should take the job but Cuomo oh Cuomo he don't want to do that he is very adamant about not doing that he is very sure that he can do his job with all of these allegations being lobbed against him and he really adamantly wants you guys to wait until the investigation's over. Now listen, I can see it both ways, right? I can see that these are very serious allegations that can be taken seriously. And I can see waiting on an investigation. I can see both of those because this is America and people aren't supposed to get, you know, their due process and all of that. I can see both sides. What I cannot see, is him saying that he refuses to resign because he will not bow to cancel culture. (laughs) I could go the very rest of my days without ever hearing the phrase cancel culture again. You know why? Because white people, I hate to say it, I hate to do it, but but white people took yet another form of ethnic slang and twisted it in a way that they didn't really understand and then oversaturated it to the point where number one, now it makes no sense and everybody thinks that they are an expert on it when they don't even know the origins and they don't even know what they're talking about. Just a brief history. Cancel culture started in the black community. I'm pretty sure it was the black Twitter thing. When we saw that people had done or said certain things, maybe in their past, maybe recently, that we didn't agree with, someone started saying, someone somewhere 
started saying, hey, look at this. You're canceled. As a means of saying, I saw what you did. I ain't like that. As a consumer, I will no longer support. Now, we knew what it meant. We knew that the thing was a thing. We knew that that's really the only way that we can hold entertainers and you know public figures and celebrities accountable is by not supporting. We know that. But I think y'all really thought that we were trying to cancel people. Like, I think some of y'all really thought that we were just like, when we say cancel, we just believed that that person would just like drop off the face of the earth and we're like no longer there. That's that's the one problem I have with it because some of the arguments are like, that's so stupid. You can't cancel people. We know that. We know that. We know that you think we don't know, but we know that. You can't cancel a person, but you can decide that you're no longer going to take their content in. You're no longer going to stream their music. You're no longer going to watch their movies. Like That's one of the powers we have as consumers. You're canceled. I think the issue is number one, messaging. Because once again, we know how y'all like to twist things. The biggest issue was the messaging. Maybe we should have called it accountability culture. Maybe that's what we should have did. Because maybe then some of y'all would stop thinking that when people try to hold you accountable, you're being canceled. (laughs) And the Republicans hate it. Cancel culture. Cancel culture got rid of Dr. Seuss. Cancel culture got rid of Mr. Potato Head. Cancel culture. They're trying to cancel me because I supported an insurrection and my publisher took away my book deal. No, sweetie. No, sweetie. Can listen. That's accountability. That's consequences. Okay. What's cancel culture is Liz Cheney. Voting her conscience and saying, hey, I might be I might be a little crazy here, but from what I saw, it looks like the former president incited a whole violent insurrection on one side of our government. And I, in good conscience, cannot vote to not impeach him for such an impeachable offense. And then you guys trying to remove her from her committee, trying to primary her so that she won't win her next election. Like, that's cancel culture. That's cancel culture. It's not Liz Cheney did something wrong and listen, it's not like she hasn't. It's not Liz Cheney did something wrong and because she she did that, I'm no longer going to support her. No, it's trying to strip her of her committee, of her title as, you know, number three Republican. That's cancel culture. It's not, hey, I've been kind of lying and helping the former president rile these people up to the point where they actually thought that the government was being stolen from them and they rushed the Capitol. And now I'm being held to account. That's not cancel culture. Cancel culture isn't even real. 
It's not even real. I want y'all to stop saying it. That's the, the moral of the story is I want y'all to stop saying it. Like, because y'all think that y'all are making a point, but y'all really look silly. Y'all are really the ones that look silly. It's not us. The people who know, know. It's not us. Y'all look crazy. Y'all look, y'all really look crazy. And I'm somebody had to say it. Somebody had to say it. Like, when I tell you, y'all have... Get, listen. Bury it with the N word. Where's the NAACP when we need to bury... The word cancel culture. When do we have the funeral? I'll be there in my best black outfit with my best black hat because I just, it's just, we just get over it. It's it's not even real. We just need to end it now. I don't know how many people this is going to reach, but tell your friends we're ending cancel culture. I just, I can't even handle it anymore. So no, Andrew Cuomo, if you are actually creating an environment where these women feel uncomfortable because you were making uncomfortable sexual remarks to them like hey how old of a guy would you date would you have sex with somebody who's old i'm about 60 and i know you're like 24 but i'd really have sex with you like you should be held accountable for that that's not cancel culture that's accountability at this point i want him out i want him out i want him out i tried i tried to let him have it i want him out we'll we'll figure out the investigation at leticia i want him out I want him out. Speaking of another governor that I want out last week, Ron DeSantis. Oh my God. Oh my God, this guy. This guy. So we already talked about how Ron is basically favoring people with money and counties and communities with money and wealth for the vaccine. And I know that everybody was like, hmm you know, maybe. And he was like, no, not, that's not true. Well, okay. The text messages are out. The text messages show that there were conversations between Governor DeSantis's office and the organizers of that Manatee County vaccination site. It was a three-day pop-up vaccination site. And the people were kind of like, hmm, that's strange. You're setting it up in a well-to-do community and you're only making it available for two zip codes. (laughs) That's the least of the problems. The real issue here is that not only did the organizers think it was cute that they set it up and it could possibly look good for Ron DeSantis as he runs again in 2022. These are This is what they're saying in text messages. They're saying in text messages, maybe he should pop up. This would be real a real good look for him, real good exposure. This is what they're saying, right? But on top of that, it's them basically confirming that the governor's office asked them to provide a list of who should get the vaccine. Now, I know what you're thinking. It's possible that they were thinking, use whatever system you have set up. Because they did have a system set up to basically auto-populate people. Like it was a random lottery system of people who were eligible. And they could have very well used that system to say, hey you're eligible for the vaccine, come get it. But it appears that Ron DeSantis's office told 
the developer of whatever uh, community it was that they were holding the pop-up to make the list. His name is Rex Jensen. And apparently he was like, what? Like, I want to make, I don't want to make a list. I don't have time for that. Like, I just give the money. I don't have time to be making lists. And so he basically told the commissioner, Vanessa Bow, who was under investigation by the sheriff's department because of the fact that she kind of pick and chose who should get the vaccine. Basically, he told her and she was like, don't worry, I'll handle it. And she basically decided that they would limit it to two zip codes. And then she started putting people on the list, not saying we'll look at these two zip codes and we'll look at the eligible people in these zip codes. Not not just that, but I'm just going to put some people on the list that I think should get it, including herself and the developer, Rex Jensen, who are not eligible for the vaccine. At this time in Florida, as of right now today, you're only supposed to get the vaccine if you're 65 and up. I think if you're an essential worker, and like stuff like that, our vaccines have really not been open that much. Like teachers don't aren't even mandated at this point. I think very recently they opened it up for anybody in spite of age, if you have some kind of underlying health condition. Pretty recently, right? So at this point, it really should only be senior citizens and people with like serious health conditions getting the vaccine. But no, this lady is putting the list together and basically picking who she thinks deserves to get the vaccine. And no, it's not the people in the rural communities who are eligible and would lack the access otherwise of course it's not of course it ain't it's well-to-do people who probably would you know give money to her campaign as commissioner who will probably donate to the governor ron DeSantis. like (sighs) aren't y'all aren't y'all tired of like pretending we don't see what we see nobody y'all not tired of that okay i guess they're not but anyway so Those text messages came out this week and I'm not going to say I felt vindicated. I'm just going to say I was even extra more disgusted because we knew it was true. And then we definitely saw, we literally saw people using life-saving technology as a means to prop up a man who has literally been lying about how serious COVID is here in Florida, who has made sure that the people that benefit him the most are given the access to the the vaccine. Like you're trying to prop up that kind of a man. And then Republicans are acting like he's a real front runner for 2024. Like that's what's embarrassing. That's what's embarrassing me and my homegirls because it's really a mess down here in Florida. We have all the variants and probably some real good homegrown Florida strains. But we have a governor who is like actively making sure that the numbers don't reflect the real. Like he literally sent the police to raid the home of a woman who was actually posting the correct data like do you 
y'all are talking about nursing home deaths in New York, but why is nobody talking about Ron DeSantis fudging the numbers so it looks like COVID isn't really a huge issue in Florida and we're doing really good despite the fact that we're about as wide open as they come. People come here because they think it's the vacation spot to be and we like really have no restrictions. Fortunately for me, any place I go, everyone is conscious of what's going on and all of the, you know, the, the businesses that I patronize ask you to wear a mask but you have a lot of people that are thwarting that they don't care about that they go to the beach they're around their friends they don't care and you think our COVID numbers ain't serious common sense y'all common sense so anyways I think it's disgusting I think Ron DeSantis is disgusting I will continue to say that because he is disgusting any man who would get up in a press conference and say if you don't like the way I'm distributing the vaccine I'll just take the vaccine back like (laughs) I couldn't even get excited when President Biden was like by May 1 anybody who wants the vaccine can get it because Florida it's a hot mess down here it's a hot mess He's going to make sure that the people with the money get access to it first. And it's going to be like, forget everybody else. I think I saw, I think I saw somewhere where it said only like 7% of eligible African-American senior citizens have gotten the vaccine here in Florida. But he's on Twitter boasting about how 60% or something like that of the senior citizens here have gotten vaccines. I would love for us to do the makeups of who's actually getting it because you'll see that it's mostly seniors who have money or who live in wealthy areas or who have donated those who have donated. So keep us up lifted in prayer. Y'all I'll be asking y'all every week, but I really mean it because I, it's insane to live in a place where you have an official who is less, worried about keeping people alive and more worried about making sure that he's impressing the other guy down here so that he can be in his good graces if he decides to run for anything else later on it's just just disgusting speaking of the other guy down here you know that former president this week he sent Cease and desist letters to the RNC saying that he does not want them using his name or his likeness on any of their information, any of their fundraising stuff. And I just thought that was like quite hilarious because I knew where it was going, but I was like, let's watch and see. So apparently he spoke with Ronna McDaniel, who is the chair of the RNC. And I think they came to some agreement that He is a public figure and they basically can use his likeness, uh, but I don't think they'll be using his name or something to the effect. I think she said, you know, we haven't even used his name or likeness since, you know, before the election or around the election. And even if we wanted to, he's a public figure. We we basically could do that. But apparently they come to some agreement. (laughs) But then the former president sends out a statement his statements are just reading like long tweets 
Like, it's basically his way of getting around being banned from Twitter. But he basically puts out a statement and he says, no rhinos, R-I-N-O-S. No money to rhinos, which is Republicans in name only. Uh, Meaning the Liz Cheney's and the Mitt Romney's. You know, the people that did not blindly support him actually inside an insurrection. Those type of people. No money for them. If you're going to be using his name and his likeness, he does not want that money going to any of those candidates. So you know what you could do instead? Give your money directly to him. He'll take it. He'll keep it safe. And he'll make sure it goes where it needs to go. Probably in his pocket. Probably finding a way to pay his children. Maybe a little bit to support other candidates who he deems are worthy. But for sure, he's he's definitely going to use it in the right ways to benefit the people. So don't you worry about that. (laughs) Either way... It's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out because you're going to have, I can almost guarantee, the RNC going up against the Trump pack. And it's like, how is that going to work? What if the RNC wants to prop up a candidate and then the Trump pack wants to prop up another candidate? Like, how does that work? It's, I can almost guarantee it's going to be a hot mess express. But once again, that's their problem to figure out. I just will have my popcorn on standby because (laughs) give your money to him. (laughs) I mean, it's not like we didn't just find out that his daughter-in-law is involved with a dog rescue charity that has basically funneled almost $2 million to her father-in-law within the past few years the money the money is safe y'all the money is safe so you know if you want to send your money to him i don't know why you would but if you want to support him in his continual grift you can send it to his pack specifically don't do that like of course don't do that guys i'm just letting you know it's an option Anyway, speaking of more just disgusting behavior, Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. I just, you know, when he was bringing up ridiculous conspiracies like those who were riding at the Capitol were Antifa and Black Lives Matter, I was like, now, Ron, you know better. But okay, you, you know, like whatever it is to stay in Trump's good graces but oh my gosh lately it's just gotten even worse and then he says this also criticized because I've made the comment that on January 6th I never felt threatened because I didn't and mainly because I knew that even though those thousands of people there there were uh, marching to the Capitol were trying to pressure people like me to vote the way they wanted me to vote I knew those are people that love this country that uh truly respect law enforcement, would never do anything to, to break a law. And so I wasn't concerned. Now, had the tables been turned, Joe, this could be in trouble. Had the tables been turned and President Trump won the election, and those were tens of thousands of Black Lives Matter and Antifa protesters, I might have been a little concerned. 
Wow. And it's, a, and it's a big statement, but you know, it's a true statement. We see the, the recent history. <sighs> so many, so many issues there. So many issues there. Um, number one, blatant racism. Let's just let's just call him out. And he already knew. He knew. That's why he said he's gonna get in trouble because he knew what he was about to say was racist. He knew that. But let's let's get into some other things. Now, as I mentioned, Ron Johnson was one of the main ones who spent weeks not only playing into the big lie, not only causing an environment that would create actions conducive to those that occurred on January 6th. But even after that, he was peddling ideas and conspiracies that it wasn't necessarily Trump supporters. It was agents provocateurs that had plans who were Antifa and Black Lives Matter and they were going to infiltrate the crowd and they were going to make all of this crazy stuff happen. For weeks, even in hearings with the chiefs of Capitol Police, the FBI director, even with all of those people, he tried to push this lie, even when they were like, no, we don't have any proof that that's the case at all. He was just peddling this lie. But here in this clip, we hear Ron Johnson say that he said before he was not afraid that day because these were people that loved their country. And they were law-abiding. And they wouldn't do anything to disrespect the law. And I know that you saw, or you have seen, the videos of these law-abiding citizens breaking the law. And actually disrespecting police officers by beating them brutally with American flagpoles, with Confederate flagpoles, with Trump flagpoles. But he wasn't concerned because you know why? They weren't Antifa and BLM. The math ain't mathin', Ron. The math is not mathin'. If the riots were not the fault of Trump supporters, they were Antifa and BLM, how could you have also simultaneously not felt like you were in danger because... It wasn't Antifa and BLM. The math is not math and make it make sense. Tell me what the variable is that I'm missing because that doesn't make sense, Ron. It doesn't make sense. Basically, what he should have said was, I felt safe because it wasn't the niggers outside. That's that's what I heard. I don't that's what I heard. You can interpret it how you want to, but that's what I heard. It wasn't the niggers outside. And I got the complexion for the protection, so I knew I was going to be good. Even though a lot of those people, it looked like they didn't really care what side you were on. They were anti-government from jump. That's what it looked like to me. Some of them, not all of them, but some of them. But I guess he thought he was safe because he had been doing everything the past few weeks to show them the insurrectionists that he was on their side. Maybe that's Maybe that's what he meant. Maybe that's what I should take away and not the fact that 
it's the niggers and flies that he do despise. And then on top of that, and this is on the Joe Pags show. I'm not familiar with him, but whatever. But you hear him at the end say, yeah, and that's like, you know, that's a big statement, but it's true because we've seen the evidence. What evidence? Because when I saw Black Lives Matter protesting at the Capitol, I didn't see them beating police officers and storming the Capitol. I saw the literal opposite. Peaceful protesting. When they were protesting outside the White House, peaceful protesting. I saw the opposite. I saw the former president use the National Guard to brutalize peaceful protesters so he can go across the street or down the way to stand in front of a church and hold up a Bible upside down that he's probably never even opened. I know his hand was burning, but whatever. I saw the opposite. So for y'all to be talking about the evidence shows this and the third, that's a lie. That's a lie. I have been so tired. I've been so tired of the comparisons on both sides because we already knew that if it had been BLM storming the Capitol it would have been a different scene we already know that but I've also been tired of the comparisons that what happened at the Capitol was just like this summer it's all the same this summer, we had to send the National Guard to the the courthouses and the capitals. Then this summer was, I mean, first of all, a mass of peaceful protests across the country. So if you saw that there were some things that had gotten out of hand, that was not the majority of the marches. But if you saw places where things had gotten out of hand, you'd probably also notice that the aggressors weren't usually the peaceful protesters. It was the police dressed like SWAT or the National Guard being sent in to basically rough these people up, put them in unmarked vans, arrest them, all of that for peaceful protesting. Like, stop stop bringing last summer up. It's not the same. When black people die at the hands of police and we just ask for humanity, it's not the same. Y'all know this. Y'all know this. I gotta tell y'all this because y'all know. Stop doing it. Stop doing it. When you use your white supremacy to lie unchecked for months to people and then they feed into those lies, and then they don't believe that a free and fair election was actually free and fair. And they come to overthrow the government that they feel is stealing the election from them. That is not the same. And y'all know it. You know, Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, you know it. Wisconsin, get him out of there. Get him out of there. This is the most racist thing I heard in a while. And I've definitely seen some things this week. I have seen some things. I have seen people basically say that they don't want black and brown votes because those votes aren't of quality. Now, that's racist. Of course, that's racist. 
we heard one of the people that was testifying basically in the Arizona case in which they're trying to restrict voter access basically say point blank it's a competitive advantage we have to do this to win but this racist stuff right here this ish right here this racist this racist basically it was it wasn't the niggers outside so i felt good I felt okay with what was going on, even as they are storming the Capitol with weapons, which once again, Ron Johnson is the senator who says he didn't feel like the insurrection was an armed insurrection because they didn't have a plethora of firearms. I guess that only a gun is dangerous. I guess those five people that died were just, just, it was the shock of it all that killed them. Like, you don't have to have a gun to be armed. This is a lawmaker. This is a lawmaker in the United States Senate. A senator of the United States blatantly saying, I'm scared of the blacks. I'm scared of the blacks. Even when they're peaceful, I'm scared of the blacks. And I'm not afraid even when the whites show up armed and ready to put a bullet in Nancy Pelosi's brain or hang Mike Pence or do terrible things to AOC. Like, I'm not scared of that. I'm scared of the peaceful blacks. I remain disgusted. I remain disgusted day after day. Death of that remain disgusted. So, Wisconsin, y'all know what to do. Y'all know what to do. It's the one year anniversary of the police killing of Breonna Taylor, and she still hasn't gotten justice. And it's quite disgusting and despicable. That's what last summer was about. That's part of what last summer was about. The fact that we can't even be in our black bodies, in our homes, minding our business without being in danger of being killed by the police. And like, like I said, it's been a year and it's a very popular case. But unfortunately, I feel like we still get some of the details wrong. Breonna Taylor was a young girl she was an EMT. She was at home. She was asleep when the police arrived. Many people say she was killed sleeping in her own home. That's not true. She was asleep when the police arrived. When they started banging on her door, it woke her and her boyfriend up. They both went into the hallway to inquire about who was at the door. They continued to hear banging. They never got an answer. And this is from the testimony of Kenneth Walker, the boyfriend who was there that night. They asked multiple times. They never got a response. This is corroborated by neighbors as well who said they never once heard anyone say police. And apparently someone did say, oh, I heard them say police. And they recanted that story. So all the neighbors who lived in the apartment complex said they did not hear police. There was a police officer that lived in the apartment complex who also said he didn't know 
that it was the police. He kind of went outside and once he realized it was police, he, you know, went to them and was like, what's going on? Like, that's how confused everybody was about what was going on because the police didn't announce themselves. At this point, Kenneth Walker believes that he is about to be the victim of a home invasion. That someone's trying to break into his home and possibly hurt him and his girlfriend. And so he grabs his legal firearm and he shoots a warning shot. Unfortunately, this warning shot hits a police officer in the leg, if I'm not mistaken. So at that point, he goes down, this police officer. But he... (laughs) He falls out of the view of the door and actually starts just shooting around the corner. I don't know if you've ever played paintball, but even in paintball, they tell you not to blindly shoot around corners or through windows when you can't see the target. Paintball. You don't just shoot And not know what you're shooting. But that's what he did. Not only was he shooting. Multiple members of the police force were also shooting. When the dust cleared and the shots were done. Breonna Taylor was on the floor. She had been shot multiple times. She was still alive. At that point, Kenneth still doesn't know what's going on. He just knows that multiple people have opened fire in the apart in the apartment. The police outside are like trying to get it together because, of course, at this point he has called. He calls her mother first, and he says she's been shot. And then he calls nine one one, and he says, "I don't know who's at the door. He's like the straw. I don't know who's at the door." But they basically broke it down. I shot a warning shot. They started firing back. They hit my girlfriend. She's been shot. And they're saying, well, who isn't? He's, he's, I don't know. I don't know. So then at this point, I think everything's settling down. The police finally announce themselves and tell him to come out of the house with his hands up. So he does that. Breonna Taylor is laying on the floor, bleeding out. Kenneth Walker gets into the police custody. They ask him, have you been shot? He says, no. They say, that's unfortunate. <laughs> they take Kenneth Walker to the police station. At this point, Brianna's mother is like, well, I got to get there. Because at this point, she's trying to call Kenneth. She can't get a, a answer. But she knows that he said that her daughter's been shot. So she goes to the apartments. A lot of police there, of course. She's asking what's going on. They're giving her the runaround. I mean, still to this day, they're giving her the runaround. But at that time, they're giving her the runaround. They tell her to go to the hospital. She goes to the hospital. They're like, she's not here. She goes back to the apartment. She's like, I don't understand. And they basically say something to the effect of, she's like, where's Brianna? And they say, she's in there. And it's at that point she realizes that Brianna's dead. Meanwhile, Kenneth is being treated like a common criminal, of course. They are pressuring him. They're 
questioning him, trying to understand it. He's he's trying to say, listen, we were in the bed. We were asleep. Somebody's banging on the door. We asked who it was. Nobody spoke. Nobody returned the answer. At this point, they have, they're breaking in the door. I deal with what I had to do to defend us. Kenneth Walker gets charged this night. And Breonna Taylor's mother is at her home for hours before she basically finds out that her daughter has passed away. And still no accountability. Still no accountability. The issue with the case is this. Brianna apparently dated a young man who was into some seedy things, but she had not been dating him for some time. And I see a lot of misconceptions saying, well, her boyfriend was a criminal. No, he wasn't. Kenneth Walker was her current boyfriend. He was not a criminal. He had not had any charges. He was her boyfriend. She had been with him for some months at that time. She had not even been with the other boyfriend who was indeed had a, a you know criminal background. She had been with him for months. But apparently the police were looking for him. And they set up two raids the same night. A raid at Brianna's apartment and a raid at another place where he was known to frequent. Here's the issue. Apparently, there were some lies told by the police officers in the search warrant that allowed the judge to be like, yeah, this is sure this checks out. I'll approve the search warrant or I'll approve this raid. But they had lied. The post office had told them because they were under the impression that Brianna was getting drug packages for this old boyfriend. But the post office had told them like, no, there nothing suspicious is going to and from her house. Like we don't we don't have any evidence of that. And apparently the boyfriend, you know, even after they broke up for some time, he would like maybe get like certain things sent to her house or whatever. But he had stopped doing that. And it wasn't drugs, just normal stuff. Like, let me send my Amazon to your house. So he had stopped doing that at this time. And the post office has already said there are no suspicious packages going to her house. But that's not what was put in the search warrant. They also didn't know that, once again, Brianna and this guy weren't together. They hadn't been together for some time. They didn't know that her sister and her niece, her young niece, stayed with her. Her young niece was there often. They didn't know who was in the house at the time. There's just a lot of holes in the plan to begin with. And then they talked to, you know, one of the guys who did the raid, who was, I guess, a part of SWAT. And he says, well, we didn't have really a lot of information. We really didn't know what was going on. We were just told we were needed for the raid, like, and we show up. And he wasn't even aware that the second raid was taking place. Now, keep in mind, this raid had taken place before the incident with Brianna, and they had already gotten who they were looking for. So he was already in police custody. So where is the communication? There's no communication between teams. Hey, like, we got them, stand down. There was none of that. And even the guy with SWAT was like, well, yeah, like that's not a good idea. We wouldn't normally do two concurrent raids at the same time, you know, like going on at the same time. We wouldn't normally do that. It's not really a smart idea. So who told these guys it was a good idea? Listen, here's the thing. 
it's okay to say you made a mistake. It's okay to say we were wrong. It's okay to say like we didn't plan it out the way we should have. It's okay to say we didn't announce ourselves and when a shot was fired, we returned fire. It's okay to say that. But the police department has basically acted at first like nothing nothing was amiss. Like, mm, they just did what they had to do. But like, there has been no accountability for the officers, even after we know the facts of the story and that they were at the wrong place because the person they thought was there was not there. The person that they wanted in, in the first place was in custody. But then on top of that, to see some of you people try to spin it on Brianna, like it's her fault that she was sleeping in her bed, not doing anything illegal, and the police busted into her house and killed her. I can't stand for that. Oh, she was she wasn't an EMT. She had got fired for doing some seedy stuff. No, no. That story's not true. It's been disproven. She worked another job. She resigned from that job. She was an EMT, but she wanted to be a nurse. Like, you reached out to the job. The job was like, no, we don't. There was no issues with with her as an employee. We had no problems. She resigned from the job. But y'all out here on the internet, well, she did that and this and third, and she shouldn't have been involved with a drug dealer. Okay, once again, once again. Does that mean she should have got killed because of her affiliation with someone she used to know back in the day? Like, it's the details are very important. And I just really hate that it's been a year. It's been a whole year. And not only do people not know the details, they don't want to know the details. Because they act like there's some kind of justification for the fact that Breonna Taylor was in her house asleep, minding her own business, and the police came acting like judge, jury, and executioner, and she ended up losing her life over it. There's no justification. There's just no justification at all. Whether she was dating a drug dealer, whether that drug dealer was in the house with her that night, whether there was drugs in that house that night, that's not what she deserved. That's not what she deserved. Keep in mind, police officers did not find any drugs in the house. And then you guys might say, oh, well, the grand jury decided not to indict the officers on charges. That's because the grand jury was not given the chance to do that. That's because Attorney General Daniel Cameron, who apparently has some ties to Mitch McConnell, but you didn't hear that from me. And I don't know if that's exactly true, but apparently he's married to his, his niece. But anyways, A.G., Daniel Cameron of Kentucky decided that he was not going to include the charges when he shared the case with the grand jury. So the grand jury couldn't choose to charge. There were no charges presented for them to charge. And that's why they chose not to indict. They couldn't. And, of course, since then, I think one of the police officers, I think, had already been fired because of the fact that he had already had some really interesting reports made against him, especially, you know, young lady or two coming out saying that he used his job as a police officer to, like, harass them. So he had already been fired. But then the only real charges that came out of this was 
for the officer who had gotten shot and then was, you know, just wildly like firing his gun. Wanton endangerment, they said, for the fact that his bullets were were all over the apartment in the walls, went through her apartment, went through the apartments of others. Like they charged him with wanton endangerment, but no one has been charged with the death of Breonna Taylor. And it's disgusting. It's disgusting. And this is what people were fighting for and marching for in the summer with the addition of the death of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery. This is what we continue to fight for. And this is why it's really important to know the details, especially when you see someone trying to justify a case like this. So you can, number one, put them in their place. And number two, let them know that it doesn't matter what a person does. They shouldn't be killed like this. And that's why it's so disgusting when you see people like Ron Johnson saying that he feels safe around a bunch of murderous insurrectionists, but not when black and brown people are in the streets peacefully protesting for their lives. We got a lot of work to do, America. We got a lot of work to do. But that has just been one week in the drop of dumpster fire that has been 2021 so far. So thank you guys for joining me. We'll be back next week to talk about all the ins and outs and ups and downs and rounds and rounds of the U.S. government. This has been Did You Hear the News? Take care. (laughs) 